Great, thank you very much. So week two of our vision uh, Sundays. Um, you will have seen this, no doubt, if you came last week, there was one on the chair, there were, uh, these vision statements are here for everybody to take with them. Uh, one side of this little leaflet is the vision, and it's a big vision, we believe it's a great vision. We believe this kind of vision can last for 20, 30, or even longer years. And then on the other side are the values that we believe that are important in order that our vision can uh, actually uh, come into fruition and we can work it out and live it out. And so I hope you'll take the vision with you, put it on your fridge, uh, make sure you read it on a regular basis. I put it in the back of my Bible, I get it out on a regular basis to pray through the vision that I believe that God has given to us. So last week, um, we looked at the whole issue of 2020 vision. We talked about two things. We talked about distance and we talked about clarity. You know, the 2020 vision picture when you stand before the eye chart has to do with the di di distance that you stand from the chart and the ability to see clearly on particular lines of that chart. And just as in the natural, we believe in the supernatural, so it's important that we have eyesight, spiritual eyesight. Now, some people are better at distance looking and others see things closer to us. And I believe it's important in Ephesians chapter 4, the gifts of the uh, ministry gifts that the ascended Christ gives to the church are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints or to equip ordinary people for the work of the ministry. And some of those ministries see the big picture, the apostolic and the prophetic and the evangelist tend to look outwards from the church life and the teacher and pastor tend towards bringing clarity into that vision and we believe ideally the ministry gifts of Christ should be available into local church situations so that the church is brought to maturity and strength. And sometimes in the old models, you kind of had a pastor-teacher model where somebody at the front had to do everything and say everything and be everything to the congregation. We believe very much in team ministry. In fact, before we came out in our prayer time, Paul took us through uh, one of our values, which is team. That everything that we do is in terms of team. And so when we take meetings on Sunday, there's team dynamic. We have teams of worship uh, together. We have teaching teams that prepare material. We have um, hosting teams. We have all kinds of teams. And the aim is that every one of us are useful in the church of Jesus. We're unique. Uh, some are operating more out from the church. Others are leading small groups in midweek. But the aim is that everybody here in Alive and across all of our locations feel a part of the vision and work it out. And so we're thinking of distance and we're thinking of clarity. And last Sunday we looked at and we're focusing on six particular things from our vision statement this year. There are many things we could focus on. And last uh, week, we looked in the knowing section. You remember our three words? Knowing, growing, going. Knowing, every member of uh, Alive, across all of our locations, having a knowledge of Jesus Christ, knowing Christ, a personal relationship with Christ. Everyone across our locations growing in the faith, uh, being discipled, knowing that we matter and that we can grow. And the third thing is to do with going. 
going out from here carrying the gospel and we've had some praise reports that show that that is really happening as ordinary people go out into the workplace carrying this wonderful message. So last week we concentrated on the knowing part and we looked at two particular areas of knowing. We looked at multi-ethnicity and I'm thrilled today that even in the prophetic today, there's some sense that God is with us in this quest of our vision to see an inclusion, to see a multi-ethnic inclusion so that the nations of the world find a place here. And I said last week, I want to say it again, that we don't want, through background or nationality, there to be a ceiling on anyone's life. Everyone who comes through the doors and is discipled into a life, we want equal opportunity for people to emerge in every area of leadership. We want you to be released into every area of our church. So multi-ethnicity. The second area, and I had a little chat with Paul over discipleship. Wherever I'm going and talking to leaders of any kind, nationally speaking, everybody is saying at the top of the agenda is this issue of making disciples. We don't just want to be filling services or meetings. As wonderful as it is for us to gather together, we're not called to just be here. We are called to be equipped to go out from here as disciples of Christ, living as Jesus wants us to live, growing in the faith. And so last week we looked at knowing. And now I want us to look at the two other areas, growing and going. And for each of these, we're just going to examine uh, a couple of them and uh, major on two of them, but uh, give you some information about four of them. And so we're going to be looking at the whole growing area. And we've chosen to have a focus over the year ahead on two specific things within the area of growth. And the first is leadership development. I mentioned it there, but I believe that we need to be releasing at all kinds of levels leaders, leaders for our children's work, leaders for our youth work, leaders over connect groups, but also leaders into society who go carrying this mandate to serve the Lord in a job or a situation, changing atmospheres, bringing the life of God. And so uh, for the year ahead, we're going to really work hard at developing leadership. You know, there never comes a time when we've made it, so we're now a leader. Leadership grows with a sense of a call of God, but it always needs development. It's interesting, our children's workers will tell you that you're able to spot gifts within children of leadership. And I believe that's because there are certain gifts that God gives uh, when people are born that he wants to then enhance by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, In the week, I've been sharing with our staff three particular passages of Scripture that I think are very important. The first is Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to look at that in a minute or two, because it contains what many call the motivational gifts. These are gifts that, that you have. These are gifts that God gives to people and motivates us in ministry, Romans chapter 12. The second set of gifts and the second passage that we were talking about is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
And 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is what we call the manifestations or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And for many years, we've talked about the importance of that and releasing gifts of the Holy Spirit. So Romans chapter 12, the motivational gifts. Um, and then we have 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is the uh, release of gifts that the uh, Holy Spirit gives to people. So Ephesians 4, Romans 12, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now the Ephesians 4 gifts are gifts of the ascended Jesus who is given to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the church for the work of the ministry. So this first little area that we're looking at is the development of leadership, developing leaders. And in Romans chapter 12, leadership interestingly comes within these motivational gifts that Paul, as he's writing to the church in Rome, and also we can receive today, I believe that there are gifts that are given that are within a human being that need development. And so in Romans chapter 12, let me read just from verse 6. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. And then it says, if it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. You see, these are gifts that we have. And the leadership gift, you'll notice it says, if you've got this gift, use it. Motivational gifts are given so that we start to develop them and use them. And I believe that leadership is a God-given gift, not just within church circles. This was given us as God got hold of us. And when we became Christians and followers of Jesus, these gifts that we've mentioned, serving and uh, other gifts that are mentioned in Romans chapter 12, can motivate us, and if we have them, we use them. So if there is a gift of generosity, the way that that gift manifests is you become generous. In the same way, if there's a leadership skill and a leadership gift that is God-given, then that needs to be developed, and we need to release people into leadership. Let me just mention three things that I think are very important about leadership development. The first thing is this, leadership is a gift, is a gift. It's something in people, there are certain people that kind of have a bent towards things and it gets noticed. And leadership's one of those things I've mentioned, you can see it in children, you can see it. How do we know whether a person is a leader? Well, we see people following them and they have a God-given ability and It starts often with a natural ability to lead. It's just the way a person is wired. But when the Holy Spirit touches a person, that leadership can become something really wonderful and it can be developed. So leadership is a gift. Secondly, leadership needs development. And that's why we have leadership training. That's why I spend a lot of my time now behind the scenes with church leaders and groups because I'm grateful to God that there were people around that could help me on my journey and could instruct me and mentor me and help me. 
When I first started, there weren't too many models of how you do this kind of church, but I'm grateful to God that there have been people that have helped me on my journey. And therefore, I believe that if there's a leadership skill and ability in people, well, if I was you, I'd get onto some places where you can get those gifts honed and you can develop your leadership skills. And I believe it always starts with serving, being available to serve, being available with the small tasks, and then God enhances that and blesses that. And uh, naturally speaking, uh, in my own life, certain levels of insecurity meant I really had to press through in terms of a call of God on my life to lead. You know, when I was younger, I would tend to back off but I knew that there was a seed of something in me and, and I recognized that if people could help me with that and if the Holy Spirit would help me with that and if there's the water of the word of God as I start to learn more of the scripture, then that leadership gift and ability I know has been enhanced by God and we have some fabulous leaders across alive. Sometimes I don't realize that we recognize how wonderful it is to be in a community where there are lots of people doing lots of things. I'm deeply grateful for that and I believe that God is helping us. So leadership is a gift, leadership needs development and leadership requires diligence. You see, it's not just um, going to seminars or getting more information. It's a personal walk with God where in prayer and devotion, character is being developed And this links, of course, with what we were talking about last time with discipleship, becoming disciples of Christ. We never want just clever people who are intellectually blessed, but actually they're not walking the walk of faith and they're not following the Lord. In fact, we all know that actually in the New Testament, God often took hold of the unschooled and the unlearned and his grace was shown through weakness So leadership development, and so at all levels, we want that to grow. We want our church to expand. If we're going to be sending out people, we want to make sure we're equipping them for the work of the ministry. So leadership development. The second thing in this growing section we're highlighting in the uh, uh, weeks ahead and the months ahead is the whole area of prayer. And I just want to take us, there's so much we could talk about on prayer. I remember years ago, a man called John Phillips did 12 weeks on about 10 verses of prayer. And so there's just so much material. You know, we could spend hours and hours on the Lord's Prayer, or what we should call the Disciples' Prayer, actually, learning about prayer. You know, the disciples spent time with Jesus, and they'd watched and observed, but they had to say to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. It was as though there was a gap between the intellectual and the spiritual and the heart of things. And I believe that we need to be saying to all across alive, let's be people of prayer. So let me read again just a few verses from Matthew chapter 6. And this is that section where where, uh, Jesus is talking about coming into a secret place. And then he shares with his disciples uh, the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, verse 5, says this. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. 
I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. In other words, everybody said how spiritual, how wonderful these people are. That's their reward. But when you pray, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. And then he outlines the familiar prayer that many of us know, the Lord's Prayer. But if we are to see our vision come to pass, prayer has to undergird everything that we're doing. And I know that you know that, and it's almost simple to say this, but folks, if we're to see the vision that we have, our city being changed and transformed, if we're to see that, then all of us have a responsibility for prayer. And that responsibility is that private and personal prayer that Jesus speaks of here, but there's also a corporate part to that uh, that we all know as well. So just three very simple things here about prayer. And the first thing is this, develop a lifestyle of prayer. Develop a lifestyle of prayer. You know, I was brought up on the idea that you kind of start the day, you have a quiet time, and it was systematic. I think it was a great concept, but sometimes we would think, I've done my bit for the day. I just want to encourage us to get a lifestyle of prayer, to walk and pray, to work and pray, uh, to have a genuine, personal, walking relationship with the Lord. I sometimes amuse myself when I'm uh, having walks and I kind of chat to the Lord. I wouldn't chat to the Lord in a public sense like I tend to when I'm on walks, but I actually share things with him, hoping he's interested in my day, believing that he is. And a prayer life. And also I'm learning more and more this bit that Jesus says, when you pray, close the door, you know. Go into a quiet place. How many of us know that there's so much encroaching your time? You know, it's very difficult, isn't it, to find a space. Some of you that have children in the house, where is their space where you can actually go down and sit and pray to your heavenly father without kids banging on the door and wanting your attention? I've been through that. It's now just Irene that bangs on the door and wants my attention. But actually, to be able to shut the door and go and to speak to, the, to our Heavenly Father. It's actually a precious thing that many Christians don't do. And I want you to be honest with yourself as I want to be honest with myself today. Let's all develop a great prayer life with the Lord, a regular flowing, talking to the Lord, conversation. And don't let it be conversation all one way. Does it feel like that sometimes? Sometimes it feels it's one way communication. And often the prophets felt like that. But give space, give time for the Lord to speak. He will surprise you how he speaks back if you give some space. Give some time, give some effort. So here, develop a lifestyle of prayer. Verse 5 says, when you pray. It doesn't say, if you pray. It says, when you pray. That talks to me of a rhythm of prayer, a time of prayer, a season of prayer. And this is all to do with how we deal with our diaries. Most people, if I were to come around, you'd say, I'm so busy. 
I'm too busy for this, I'm too busy for that, too busy for meetings, I'm too busy for big prayer times. Listen, even Jesus lets you out of big prayer times. He says, don't go on babbling, filling the air with lots of words, just say it like you mean it. It doesn't mean you're more spiritual if you do a two hour slot as if you do a 10 minute slot, as long as your heart is right with God and you're genuine about this stuff and you're opening your heart and there's conversation. And the other thing is, What often happens, particularly at the beginning of New Year's, we say, right, from the beginning of January, my prayer life is going to be different. One hour every start of the day, one hour. And by a few weeks, you're down to 40 minutes, and then it's 30 minutes and so on. I reckon it's better to start small and go bigger. Say, I'm going to do five minutes here, and I'm going to do 10 minutes there, and I'm going to have this conversation with the Lord, but I will follow the instruction that Jesus says, I'll find a place and I'll close the door. You know, in Jesus' ministry, he didn't always have to close the door because he could go into that nice warm garden of Gethsemane and sit under a tree for a while and talk to his father. In the UK, best to go into a room and close the door. And I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage myself. Stuart, do this. Yes. We're going to pray, we're going to spend time with the Lord, and we're going to develop a lifestyle of prayer when you pray. Prayer can be developed. It can grow. And secondly, recognize the Father sees and the Father hears. Recognize that because sometimes we're praying sometimes for ourselves. We're going through lists of things that we are burdened by. But isn't it a great thought that the Father hears and the Father actually rewards? Do you notice that? If you do things right, he rewards. If you do it to be seen and to be really spiritual and do you know I'm on a X number of days fast and watch me, I pray all the time, that's your reward because we'll all say, well done, you're better than me. But if we'll just get into a room and get on with it and only God knows, You know the beauty is God knows everything about your life. Now sometimes you think that's a bit of a pressure, he knows everything. Yes, he does know everything, but you know sometimes I think you're too hard on yourself. He notices when you spend some time with him. He notices when you adjust your diary to spend time with him and to talk to others about the things of the Lord. I think the enemy is always out to say, you're no good, you can't make it, you'll never make it, you're not as good as everybody else. No, this can get the pleasure of God. To be able to hear that he is able to reward those who seek after him. And so in your quiet times and in your times with God as you close the door, it might feel a little awkward at first. If you're just a new Christian, you're thinking, am I talking to myself, am I talking to the wall? Sometimes people find it hard with this kind of silent prayer. And I just want to encourage you, if you can find a space, if you can find a space, this is just my personal view, speak it out a bit. Doesn't mean you shout it, but speak it out a bit. I know sometimes it's hard to find that space when kids need your attention, but find a space, talk to the Father, and the Bible says the Father will reward us, and uh, that reward, of course, comes in the answers to our prayers as well. So develop a lifestyle of prayer. Recognize the Father sees. And then thirdly, I want you to notice from this passage the power of our and us. If you look at the Lord's Prayer, um, I think prayer isn't meant to stay just personally with you in your room. 
prayer in the New Testament is always a corporate exercise. It has to move from your room to being with others in a community of prayer. And that's why we believe that these monthly revived prayer meetings are so essential. I don't know how we can get that across, but if you're able to do this, you know, once a month, I just want to encourage you to be corporately together in the prayer meeting. Some people may say, well, I've been to them, there's not much there. Well, that's because you have not contributed into that meeting. Let's bring our contribution, let's bring our life, let's fill the place with prayers and and let's let it buzz with the things of the Spirit. And uh, I believe that this kind of prayer from close the door into your room now to the ours and the us statements, you see, you can't pray our Father when you're on your own in the room. Well, you can because you can connect with the other believers. But when you are together, like this morning, we could pray this prayer and it would be our Father. He's our Father. The our is very, very powerful. He's your Father, he's my Father. He brings us into the family of faith. Our Father who is in heaven. And as you go through that, it says, as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is to do with us. This is to do with the family. So recognize the power of our and recognize the power of us. It says here, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. uh, As we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one there's power in the us and there's power in the hour our father in heaven it's all to do with us it's to do with our family relationship with our heavenly father and so I want to encourage us into this wonderful area of prayer So knowing we're going to concentrate on multi-ethnicity and discipleship Growing, we're going to concentrate a fair bit this year on leadership development and prayer. We're going to put more time into those things than perhaps other things. We're going to prioritize those. And now on to our third and final part for this morning, the going part. And we're going to highlight two things here. And I'll just briefly share the first and then I'm going to invite Julie to join me and I'll have a chat with her about the second But uh, the two things are these. Firstly, evangelism. Evangelism. You know, years ago I was termed an evangelist. I don't know if you know this, but I was an evangelist with British Youth for Christ and used to travel a lot and, uh, you know, singing around places and so on and sharing the faith. And in those days had great delight in sometimes seeing hundreds of people coming to faith. You know, four of us used to go into Northern Ireland on a regular basis, and I remember we did a concert to uh, joint Catholics and Protestants, and it was a great concert, the room was filled, and I remember giving an appeal, a simple appeal for people to come to Jesus, and 68 people came to the front, three of those were Catholic priests who came for a first time decision of Christ. So I've seen in some measure evangelism, but evangelist is not my prime gift. I find it difficult. I've been forced into evangelism. In fact, when I was with British Youth for Christ, I remember having to sell Youth for Christ magazines on the streets of Amsterdam when I couldn't understand Dutch. I managed to sell a few 
but I had to do some stuff to do the work of an evangelist. I hated every minute of it. I made out I was rejoicing in the Lord, but I didn't enjoy that at all. So I'm not a, an evangelist by gifting, but you can do the work of an evangelist. And I just want to say to us, and on other occasions, I remember, I remember the four of us, we, we sang in the open air in Lincoln, I don't know if any of you know this, where we actually closed the, 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 the road off. We made a mess of all kinds of things at Mary Le Wigford's. I think we had about 800 people. Times have changed, guys. The bands that play in the center of Lincoln City, people sort of yawn and pass, even if they're brilliant. But in those days, it was a novelty to see people singing in the streets. And we used to do huge concerts in the open air. And I remember we sang on the beach at um, somewhere on the south coast, hundreds and hundreds of people, and you know, and I've done my stand on a soapbox in in front of people and so on. But I found that quite difficult. But you know, there are people around that love it, evangelists that kind of buzz it. It's a gift from God. We need the evangelists. You know, if you go round with an evangelist, prepare to be to be embarrassed. I was, uh, I was in a restaurant with Heidi Baker once. Heidi Baker, you'll have heard, you know, ministering into, into Africa and so on. Everybody she saw, she had to tell about Jesus. If they brought some coffee, you need to know about Jesus. Everything she said was about Jesus. Evangelists, uh, they live it. They, and Dan Hargreaves is not far behind, is he? He can't help but talk to people, and it's not long before he shares the faith. So 2020 in the UK is going to be a big thing with regard to uh, evangelism. Jay John's just had 200 evangelists together for a conference. Franklin Graham is coming to the UK to do a major tour. Um, Advance is a, a group of evangelists that are being equipped for ministry. Dan leads one of those teams. It's a wonderful thing. Now, I'm going to skip my stuff on evangelism because I want to chat to, to Joy. But uh, I just want to get an energy out there of an evangelistic thrust to move forward. There are evangelists out here that need to be released, but all of us can do the work of an evangelist. What I'd like to do, um, Joy's going to join me in a second, but let's watch that thrilling video uh, between me and Dan the one where I'm kind of shaking and looking strange and have a strange smile on my face. We're going to watch that because last week we said that in September we're going to be planting into the north of, the, of our city. Some of you may have missed it, so watch it. The reason I'm shaking, it was freezing cold as we did it. But let's watch the video. Since becoming a multi-site church in 2014, we have proudly stated that we see Alive as a strategic multi-site church made up of thousands, expressing itself in numerous locations, seeing many people come to faith, and equipping people who are passionate followers of Jesus Christ. We then proudly go on to say that we see a planting church who actively raise leaders and send teams to plant new locations. We see the power of our church readily working in partnership with other churches and ministries for the advancement of God's kingdom with a heart for the re-evangelization of the UK, believing we have a significant contribution to make. At the beginning of 2020, we acknowledge there is more to be done. As we recognize the number of successes we've had and our opportunities for learning, 
Our vision and focus is stronger than ever. We are certain for what God has called us to. We are a community that believes that as we grow, we must go to advance the kingdom. On the journey of a live church, we've received a number of prophetic words that have spoken into our church strategy from words about multiple location, as well as hearing that God will teach us to take the heart of cities. With all of this in mind, we believe the time is right for us to plant a new location of Alive Church. We love how Alive Church is growing. We are humbled by the team we have around us, and we are ready to follow the call of God for the heart of this city. We are so excited to announce that Alive Church are launching a brand new location in the north of Lincoln. We're in current talks with Bishop Grotesque University and we are aiming for a September 2020 launch. I find it really interesting that for Irene and I, our first call into church planting was a call into the north of the city. And I'm stood in front of Newport Hall, which was a home to us for a number of years. So it's brilliant that we're going back into the north of the city that we love. The heart of everything we do in planting is to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ and therefore we'll be running a number of invitational events in the north of the city over the summer months. We've already been in contact with church leaders in the area and we're really looking forward to working in partnership with other churches for the advancement of God's kingdom. In February, we will be gathering people together for an information night for those who want to hear more about Alive's heart for the transformation of the north of Lincoln. The location will be named Alive Lincoln North, with the other two Lincoln locations becoming Alive Lincoln Central and Alive Lincoln South. We already have team prepared, led by myself. Until the appointment of our future location pastors, me and Joe will still remain passionate as ever as location pastors of Alive Lincoln South. This really is an exciting, monumental time for Alive Church. This year, we will see the start of Alive Lincoln North. Okay, good. Well, we think that's great news. Now we're just going to conclude our morning with this whole area of influence. And let me just read a few verses, then I want you to just chat, because I think we're in a season where influence is really important to us, and I want you to do the majority of this little section. But Jesus says in Matthew 5 and verse 13, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. What I really wanted to do in this last section is just to look at three things. And the first is salt scattered. What do you think Jesus means by that? And if we're talking of influence in terms of alive, just chat to us a bit about salt. Yeah, great. Well, I, I get really excited about this. I feel like most of you would know that. Um, but uh, I think Paul said last week, and I think it's really important that we understand our place in the story uh, so that we know what the purpose of the salt is. And so uh, he reminded us that we often start in the uh, wrong place. So we'll start uh, at the fall in Genesis 3, and then we'll talk about why Jesus came because he needed to redeem us of our sin. Uh, but if we start right in the beginning, if we start in Genesis chapter 1 in creation, 
creation where God says he made everything and he made it really good, uh, that he made people and he said, he stepped back and he went, wow, you are really, really good. And then he gave us the mandate to to continue his work, to make what he created uh, kind of even better. And to, uh, he never said it was finished. He wanted us to bring it into some kind of completion. And so uh, that's why then when we read about the fall and we read about Jesus coming, he kind of gets uh, God's creation project back on track so that we can see right to the end of the story, into the book of Revelation, the whole picture of a beautiful city, heaven coming to earth, making all things new again. And, uh, and so when we think about salt and when we think about our purpose in the journey, it's not just uh, to see souls saved, although that's so important, but it's to join God and participate with God in the renewal of all things so that we can see heaven coming to earth like that beautiful city in the book of Revelation. And so in order for us to do that, in order for us to participate with him, we need to be in close proximity with the world. We can't just spend our life huddled within the walls of the church and in the church community. We need to go and we need to be close. So we think about the properties of salt and we think salt, uh, it uh, preserves, it heals, it brings out flavor, and we need to be really close, scattered into every corner of our city, into every sphere of society, so that uh, we can bring out flavor, we can preserve what God is doing, and uh, make it taste good in the world. And so we're salt scattered, bringing I, I like influence. that word scattered, actually. Every person, every individual scattered into their place of work, scattered um, you know, among their family and friends and relatives. That's part of that picture, isn't it? Yeah, and, and also what you were talking about, the manifestation gifts. And I yeah. think I dream of uh, people not just prophesying within the walls of the church, but as bringing supernatural power into the workplace, as bringing healing and miracles and signs of wonders. Uh, the message version of 1 Corinthians 12 talks about wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, prophecy, uh, discernment and tongues. And would it be amazing mm. if all of us went and brought that into our workplace? Yeah. This is a bit like the practice for that, isn't it? Yeah. We've got to do it in our groups, we've got to share it in our meetings, we've got to release the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. So there's uh, salt scattered, but there's also light gathered, and the picture there of a city on a hill, and we, we're working quite closely together, aren't we, on, and with lots of leaders across the city, to make sure that in this city, the light of the gospel is seen, not just through a life, but through the, the church of Jesus in yeah, the city. that's right. And Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, so light illuminates, it uh, puts marks away on a path. Uh, it also brings out color, and I think Lincoln is in an incredibly important place in terms of church unity. Uh, it's been brilliant to uh, me and Stuart and a few of the other church leaders uh, galvanizing the church leaders together to build unity and to pray together, but we're also starting to say, what does it look like for us to cast a vision together, to articulate a vision for Lincoln for the next 30 years? And if we want to see and participate with God uh, in the renewal of this city, uh, thinking, what will Lincoln look like in 30 years' time? And how do we raise leaders for every sphere of society who can actually bring that change in, praying and acting together? And it's been great to reflect and see how other cities are doing this around the world there's a bit of a movement that is beginning to happen where churches 
gather together and say we can't do it on our own. There's no way that a life can bring renewal to the city of Lincoln on our own. We have to do it in partnership and friendship with our friends all across uh, the church in the city. And so uh, there's this thing that's starting to emerge. It's called Movement Day. And really, rather than it being a day, it's a process. It's a kind of lifestyle of churches working together, starting to articulate okay, we want to see this for our city in 30 years' time. And in order to do that, we need to have these kind of steps. And so we're just starting the process, working with churches, not just church leaders, but leaders from the churches that are cast out, scattered in every sphere of society during the week uh, uh, spheres. And uh, we, want to, we want to take you guys on that journey as well Just this tell year. us a little bit about, because not everybody knows about GLX. Yep. Say what it is. And of course, it's a ground level thing, but we're really involved in that. What it what is it about? Yeah, so we've been um, running an event uh, uh, once a year for the last kind of four or five years where we bring together people who believe that their workplace is their ministry and their mission field. So where you go tomorrow is uh, equally uh, as important as where you are right now in terms of bringing forward the kingdom of heaven and GLX is an opportunity for you to gather with other people who are in the same sphere as you are so if you're working in education you get to meet loads of other Christians who also have a vision to extend the kingdom in education or finance or health or business whatever you feel like God has called you into and uh, we uh, gather together and hear stories and we also across the year uh, we have Facebook sphere groups uh, where uh, the guys from education can all share together uh, within a closed Facebook page and build relationship and be inspired. And we're really serious about telling stories and inspiring you to bring transformation to the place that you'll go to yeah, tomorrow. It's a kind of a ground level exchange of ideas and thoughts. And we are to live and Joe and I are going to be doing this before too long. We like to gather what we would call influences together to hear your stories. We have people here that are magistrates, you're in the university, you're doing incredible work into all kinds of spheres. We're going to be putting an invite out to try and uh, hear from you, but also to inspire that this church needs to be actively involved, not just as salt scattered out individually, but light with influences and so on. The final point is action that honors our Father. Just one final comment on that before we pray. Yeah, so I think our posture really matters. And so when we talk about uh, why we're doing this, and often we can have loads of ambitions for our own uh, profession and our own career, what we want to achieve. But really, uh, we exist to glorify the name of Jesus. And what we do when we go into our workplace, our posture of love and service is really, really important. And so... Uh, I want us to be a church that is open-handed and sacrificial. Like Paul says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. To absolutely go for in humility, uh, advancing his kingdom, but always remembering it's about uh, glorifying our Father in heaven. And I would lo love to uh, recommend this book to you. Uh, it's really small and short, so if you're not into reading, it only takes you about an hour. It's called A Creative Minority, Influencing Culture Through Redemptive Participation by John Tyson. And... Uh, he talks all about what we've just been speaking about. Uh, I'll leave it at the front if you want to kind of grab it afterwards. But, Great. Yeah. Let's thank Julie, shall we? So in two weeks, we've tried to give you a little bit of an overview on the six things we're going to be really working hard on. We've also got a, a set of series on wholeness that you might have noticed. That's going to be a great way forward. We need a healthy church to push in to what we believe is a great vision. Howard, let's pray our prayers 
and thank you so much for the honour of being able to share with you today. Wonderful. Let's honour Stuart. Thank you, Stuart. And thank you for articulating the vision again for each of us to play our part in. Here at Alive, each and every week, we give an opportunity for uh, you to declare or pray a prayer in this place that may be the very first time you've prayed this prayer. This prayer is what we call a gateway prayer. It's a prayer of opportunity for you to say, Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to give my heart to you. I want to give my life to you. Perhaps there's people here this morning who've never prayed a prayer like that. Perhaps there's others of us here this morning who have prayed this prayer at one point in our life, but know today, maybe even you've heard the whisper of God this morning that say, it's time again for you to make a recommitment to me. And I'd love you to use this prayer as an opportunity for this. So in a moment, we're going to put the prayer on the screen. We're all going to pray it together. Everybody in the church will pray it as one. Then at the end of that, I'd love every one of us to bow our heads. And if you said this prayer for the very first time this morning, or if you want to make a recommitment to Jesus this morning, I'd love you to boldly raise your hand in this place. We've got a book that we want to bring to you that will help you understand the prayer a little bit further and start the journey of becoming a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. So let's put the prayer up and we'll pray this prayer together, every one of us in this place. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I have lived my life without you and I've messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Wonderful. I'd love us to bow our heads. This morning you've heard big vision, but we want to give you an opportunity to personalize it right now. And if you said that prayer for the very first time, and this morning you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, I'd love you to raise your hand in this place this morning. Perhaps you're the person who here this morning has prayed this prayer at another opportunity, but today you're feeling the whispers of God saying, come back to me, make a recommitment to me. If that's you, I'd love you to raise your hand as well in this place. Wonderful. If any of their team, if you spot a hand, if you take the book and greet that person, that would be wonderful. Church, it's been great to gather together this morning. Just remember, if you're in any form of leadership, connect group leaders, kids leaders, youth leaders, team leaders, location forum members, tomorrow evening, 7.30 in here is our location, uh, sorry, that's our leadership um, evening together. Come along for that. And then we gather again next Sunday, 9.30, 11.30 and 6.30 p.m. Be wonderful to see you there. God bless. Have a wonderful week.